Hey, everyone. Welcome to Podcast Therapists of Virginia Family Therapy. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about how we help kids, and quite honestly, ourselves, manage our anxiety when it gets really high. This is the second part of a two-part series. Last week, we talked about how to manage the low levels of anxiety. So if you haven't listened to that yet, you may want to circle back and listen to that one first. Thank you so much for listening. I brought up that we were kind of laughing about, but is um, if you're at home, the other piece is just changing your body, right? Like, change, mm-hmm. I guess this is after the one to four, though. We're still just talking about the one to four. I think we're good. We're, I think we can go yeah. to five to okay. six. So, okay. Let's so, do five what, to six. What about five to six? What would you say? Five to six, I give a lot of recommendations about like doing something. Wait, what's Smoking, happening like in you, your body at five to six, though? Oh. Step out for a cigarette from five to six. <laughs> that's really going to reduce your anxiety. Um, <laughs> your heart rate will drop. <laughs> Now I'm thinking about like jeweling. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah. No, jewel. we're not. And we're not endorsing um, that by the way. We're just joking. But so five to six in your body, it's getting more intense, right? This mm-hmm. is when I start to hear more about thoughts racing. Yeah. Yep. And, um, a lot of, this is when it's like that restless feeling. Like I have something in my body, I'm fidgety and I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I hear more of that in the five to six range. And my five to six personally is like when I'm like really rethinking something that I said and like, Oh, why did I say that? What did they think about me? And it's like, I'm thinking the same Mm -hmm. thought over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, in that way. That's when, yeah, I don't get butterflies at that point. I'm beyond that to like feeling nauseous personally. (laughs) Like I start to feel like a little bit more or chest tight. And I actually, you know, we're really reflecting on ourselves, but I like Mm -hmm, to control things in that moment. So one of the things I get really anxious about is like, like last time I can remember really feeling this way is about a swim practice that I had coming up and like wanting to set a goal time. And so I spent so many hours just being like, well, if I take it out, if I take the first 50 out in this time, what do I have to bring it back in? But it's like the same numbers running through my head, but I'm trying to control them. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, and it I does. talk to people about this, right? It's like the time that we spend overthinking doesn't actually make us more prepared doesn't it? <laughs> like I was really prepared for that. Actually, I was like so overstressed about it. But right. Fine. That's the thing is it like, I think it's like the same bell curve we talked about last time. Like there's yep. a certain amount of time thinking about it, preparing that is helpful. And then beyond that, you start to psych yourself out. Absolutely. Well, and just beat yourself up. Yep. Right. Like just the negative yep. thought that starts or the critical voice that comes in or whatever. I also think there's a real comparative voice that can come through at like five to six, Mm -hmm. especially like on Instagram, like, oh, well, that person looked so happy in that. And what, like, why am I not happy in that way? You know, here's my my opening, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. I can be the anti-anxiety influencer. Well, that'd be great. No, yeah, that would be good. No, but yeah, you're right. Like it is that like, there's still enough bandwidth or your brain is still working enough to start pulling and you can pull in some absurd comparisons in yes, that moment. Yes. But you still f- can think it well enough to bring in other things. So then, okay. So what are the strategies that you guys employ? So that's a lot of, t- I would say, movement. Yes, I so would like say. Something with your hands. So like a fidget, coloring, sewing, 
cooking. I use friendship bracelets. Great. Yes, I love friendship bracelets. Here's why coloring and friendship bracelets are helpful is because there's a sense of accomplishment. Like when you color, it's like detail oriented. Mm -hmm. And when you finish a space or you finish a line on a friendship bracelet, you're like, oh, I've done something. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of, and it's repetitive. So it's not hard. It's repetitive. And there's a sense of of accomplishment. This is why like knitting and crocheting are also awesome. Well, I mean, I don't know. If you could teach me how, how to, to do that. That's great. But I have clients who know how to do that. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. an awesome thing, especially with Zoom school. Yes. You can sit there and do that. Yep. Well, and I think kids who are in class um, can doodle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that's a good like just movement thing. And kids just wiggle. I mean, like, and so do teenagers. They just move in their seat. I mean, you just have to be okay with that or tapping your feet or just can't do it mm-hmm. too loudly. I suppose. This is also the point in time where I feel like you can try to logically challenge some of your thoughts. Like you're not totally beyond the point of bringing reason back in. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I can weigh the evidence. What if I fail this test? What if I fail? What if I fail? What if I fail? Okay. I haven't failed a test yet. Right. I'm really anxious that I'm going to fail this test. I haven't failed a test yet it's probably going to be okay. So you still have your, your like wits about you. Yeah. I also think this is a great time to go on a walk. So for me, it's like the barometric pressure. I don't even know if that's the right word, but essentially like the air, sometimes I'll be in my house and I'll be so worried about something or so intense about like getting the kids to bed at the right time. Right. Obviously those are the things I get like stressed about yeah no and yeah and then I walk outside and I'm like it's not the end of the world if they're 15 minutes late but just like the fresh air Mm -hmm. even without the walk can shift whatever like because it changes what's happening in your body it's Mm -hmm. changing the sensation in your body so you're Mm -hmm. more present in the here and now and not just worked up about what time the kids need to go to sleep well I mean as a parent think about how many times you've gone down a hole where you're just like so focused it's something revving your system right Mm -hmm. and it is you step back and it's like it's bedtime on a Tuesday. And do you know how many bedtimes on a Tuesday you're going to have in your kid's life? A lot. But that one Tuesday, for some reason, it's completely consuming. So it is, it's just about stepping back. It's, it is your last kind of stage where you can grab yourself and be like, this is anxiety. I need to chill. Like I just need to step back. One of the things I said earlier is like, and I got this from, um, because in our family, we've got a little asthma that floats around. And also my daughter had terrible croup as a kid. And when you, and by the way, that never happens during the day or, and often happens on a weekend just because Caroline, I'm not sure only because you can't get hold of a pediatrician and go right in. That's <laughs> when I'm going to be frantically calling the kids. Yes, do actually. So you open up the freezer and you, you're basically breathing in cold air. And, and then I, what I noticed in my own daughter is she would start to do it sometimes when she was just stressed. And it was like her own way of re, rebalancing herself, I think, and just getting herself, like shocking your system a little bit. I mean, so it was a good, I mean, it was funny when I saw my kid first breathing the, breathing the freezer, I was like, what are you doing? But it it almost felt, it was soothing in those panicky Mm -hmm. moments. Mm -hmm. And I think what she probably felt as a little kid was stress again. And you know, maybe even breathing stress stuff. And so she would just automatically open the, free, I know, freezer and start breathing in the freezer. And so then I was like, oh, that kind of works. And then I started using it with my clients. And I was like, go stick your head in the freezer for, not the oven, let me be clear, the freezer for just a minute and breathe in the cold air. And it just, it's a shock. It is. Yep. It just changes things. Yep. Now pain, I don't encourage kids to like do anything that would create pain to change their no. trajectory. No. Be clear. Like, so punching something or the, that's not what we're saying. Yep. Um, like punching a pillow, maybe, or yelling or something yeah, to get you out, can, but like, not scream into a pillow. Not a wall. If you have yeah. a big feeling. That's not pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I had a client who would crunch ice, which I know drove the rest of the family nuts. But again, it was that sensation thing in the mouth. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, oh, here's what I do also when I get to like six, seven ish is I set a timer. Like a lot of times if I'm anxious about something and I, and I have clients who this is not just all about me, but I learned it from me. Cause when I was Mm -hmm. anxious, like my post anxiety, I would think about something stupid. I said for like five hours and I could not get that record off. Uh Do you know what I mean? And so finally I was like, I am not having any new thoughts. It's the same thought over and over again. So I just set a timer for two minutes and I was like, I'm going to think of nothing but this stupid thing I said and all the responses to it. Nothing but that for two minutes. And, and I did. So then when it came up later, you're able to say like, but I already thought about that. Mm -hmm. Right. I already Mm -hmm. thought about that. And that's the same thing as journaling too, right? You put it in a place, write it down, put those feelings somewhere. And then when they come back up, cause they do be like, Oh, but I already wrote about that. I already thought about mm-hmm. that. It's over now. I've had that experience. So with little kids, I have them decorate a shoebox, and then yep. any thought that they have, that's a worry thought or whatever, they put that worry thought in the box yep. and we keep the box shut. And then, um, sometimes the family will do some sort of ritual to get rid of those worries. Right. To and that, yeah. Yeah. Just, and it's, again, it's just a dump. But it also like when you when you are thinking about something like that and you're anxious and I tell my adult clients and teen clients have some a book by your bed like a notebook just to put it from one part of your brain to the next Mm -hmm. where you're writing it and then shut the like you'll see it in the morning just go back to bed or go to sleep. Research shows it's actually better to handwrite in your journal. Oh, I bet it's interesting. You're connected to it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's like it activates the brain piece. Typing. So I would say typing over not doing anything but handwriting over typing oh that's a good point good to know no one would ever be able to read what i was writing so it'd be very private (laughs) but the containment piece that you're talking about i mean i think really does work and for parents to they can do that with children too so if you have a kid who's really got really feels stuck on something you can say okay let's talk about it for five minutes and then we're not going to talk about it yes and you have to kind of help your kid get there and then they'll learn that containment but it's a skill you have to almost teach Mm -hmm. right Mm mm-hmm and when I'm worried, when I'm up there too, I do talk, right? I talk to my friends. I talk to oh, yeah. my family. Me I talk too. to people I love. Totally. So that's a really good one. Just say to someone, hey, I'm really worried. Can we talk about this? Sometimes for me too, when I start talking about what I'm anxious about, it starts to sound so absurd. Yes. That I'm like, okay, right? Like I call a friend and I'm like, hey, can I just talk to you about this one thing really quickly? And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I start talking about it and I just like start laughing because right, like in your head, it feels so real, right? You're like, oh, and then you start talking about it and you're like, okay, I can handle this. Like this isn't as big and dark and scary as I made it in my head. Um, and it just helps. And then, you know, sometimes I feel bad because I basically have a conversation with myself and I'm like, oh, okay, thanks so much for listening. Like, how's your day? What else can we talk about? Because I called you like with this thing I needed to talk about, got two minutes into it, realized I didn't need to talk about it. And here we are. I think I do that with you guys. I do it on text with you guys. Yeah, we do it all the time. I know. The other thing I try to do is like externalize the anxious brain. That's like, yeah, that's my, that's your worry brain talking, or that's your anxious brain talking so that kids are able to recognize like, oh, my anxious brain is really running wild right now. Um, I also make the analogy like you are letting someone like move in, right? This, oh, that's a your, good one. Mm-hmm. Your anxious brain, this person has like moved in, isn't paying rent, is taking up tons of space, yep. is like having parties and you're just like 
it's just all happening, right? So like, how do you get to take back some control and be like, no, you don't get to do that. Like you can be bossy with your thoughts and say like, nope, not thinking about this. This doesn't help me. That's not accurate, right? And try to like quiet the thoughts themselves. Well, we always, in my house, (laughs) I'm like, put up the stop sign in your head. Like just put up the stop sign. Like it just has to stop. So I visualize too, I help people like when you feel like those thoughts are creeping in, sometimes you can then connect it to breath, like blow those thoughts out. That's a good point. Right? Like just blow them out before they get too far. Yeah. Oh, there was one other thing I was going to say about this, which is it's also very normal and evolutionarily adaptive for people to be more anxious at night. And the reason is, is because at night it is dark. And so if you listen to our podcast last week, you understand that essentially we are more vulnerable at night and therefore anxiety protects us. Anxiety is what's helped us survive at night because we can't see what the true threats are out there. Is this making sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so everybody, like how many times you wake up in the middle of the night you like are up for two Uh, hours thinking about something crazy I'll be like I need to tell my husband this in the morning and then I wake up and I'm like oh that's not a big deal at all (laughs) yeah exactly I have nothing to say to my husband except for good morning right like it's all so big at night and that's okay that's normal yeah Mm -hmm. and I think there is something to be said about like even now when it's like dark and the world is sleeping and your house is quiet like there's just more space for your mind to like tick, 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 tick. Like, well, and kids, like a lot of times, it, you know, there's a couple of things. One is when you have kids that have a trauma history, any downtime there, a lot of times their brains flood. So you see a lot more anxiety during quiet time at school and things like that. Mm-hmm. But even just healthy, normal kids have never had any trauma. I don't know about your kids, Amanda, but bedtime was like, I have the worst bedtime stories about my kid, but bedtime was the one time that, that like everything we'd have this routine, it would be perfect, get in bed. And then, you know, this little six-year-old would be like, is there heaven? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does God look like? Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, like, seriously, could we not have had this discussion at like two this mm-hmm. afternoon? Like that would have been a great time to open that up. But right before I, you know, want to go get you a Benadryl shot, just go to sleep. <laughs> so I think those are like kids. We see it in our kids, but adults are the same way. But it's just a normal human kind of brain function. Absolutely. And I think even now, I mean, I haven't thought about my anxiety in this way in a really long time. But even having the conversation about this, we're all like, dip, 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 dip. like we're all kind of revved because there's space for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And like it comes up because there's space for it. And I haven't even realized how much I like hold on to. But I think I manage it throughout the day. Right. Yeah. In the same way that our kids do, too. It's like you manage it throughout the day and then at night there's space for it. And so it just gets it mm-hmm. gets bigger. Well, and we're really lucky because we work with people during the day or we're con- in constant communication with each other where we can turn and go, oh, my God, I'm feeling so anxious about yep. this. But, you know, we're in that kind of line of work. I mean, most people can't turn to the person next to them at work and go, oh, my gosh, I'm so anxious right. and feel like that person's going to totally get it. I mean, if you're lucky, you might. But I mean, we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a really weird question. I was thinking about this earlier. How many? It's kind of off yes, topic, guys. Hair color. But how many? How many adult adults do you think think about their anxiety on a scale of kind of one to ten regularly? Because I know I do, and I know I'm like, okay, how do I feel 
what do I need to do? I'm like, I, I hadn't thought of it as like one through four, but I'm, I'm very aware of where I am in my body and what I might need to do. But you're how talking many, to other people about it all the time, right? right. Their anxiety, right? Like you're helping other people all the time cope with So that. how many people that aren't in mental like, health? Yeah. Do you think other people, I guess if you had a lot of therapy, you think about it that way, but other than that, it's not out there in kind of the culture, the pop culture to be really thinking about it. I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, based on my own home life, you mean? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I'd be like, I think you're kind of anxious. I'm not anxious. Okay. <laughs> and then later it's like, I'm anxious. I think people, I think it's, I think it's a really normal term to use. I think people talk about anxiety. I don't know that everybody understands what it really means or in the clinical way that we're talking about mm -hmm. it, but I think it's become a very common vocabulary word. Do you that think sense. that, do you think that people like our peers that are not in mental health really actively kind of are like, oh, where am I? I need to go no, take a break. No, I, I need to go walk. So. I don't. I also think culturally we're not like in touch with our bodies. Right. That that's extent, the piece. I agree. Right? Like yeah. we, we just aren't. And so I feel like, and I feel like we're such a like, go, 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 go culture that like, there's not space. Right. Like I probably am always in. functioning at a four, but I think it's like a one because I'm doing everyone's a lot. baseline level is different, right? Like some people operate at a four, some people operate at a five, some people operate at a one. The idea is just like when my anxiety is starting to kick into gear higher than normal, I want to catch it so that the space between where, you know, if I get to a five and my baseline is usually a two, that space to get back to baseline is a lot smaller than if I'm at a nine mm -hmm. to get back to a two. When I think even being mental health too, and the fact that we talk about this all the time, like we know when that critical voice kicks in for us. And I wonder, I don't think many people really notice yeah. that when it kicks in, I think it kicks in and then they can, they end up dealing. I mean, a lot of times that's when we have folks come to see us and we're like, Oh, you know, you don't just have one critical voice. You got a choir in your head right mm -hmm. now. We need to try to get your anxiety a little lower and quiet those voices because they're not helping. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much, I mean, it probably depends on the family too. And mm -hmm. if a family is used to talking about it or has mm -hmm. somebody's received some help with that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's a great thing. Um, I mean, anxiety is so normal and such a part of yes. everybody's life. And I think it's, it's so important to normalize it and have discussions about it. And, and then there are big times that create anxiety, right? Like we were talking about just the, the normal milestones um, when kids go away to college, you know, when kids are finishing high school, when kids are facing big exams, when big changes, yeah, just big life changes yeah. of any sort, they're going to create any sort of, I mean, it just is a normal reaction mm -hmm. in the body. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, we talked about this a little bit, but, um, helping kids identify, um, anxiety and excitement because it can feel very mm -hmm. similar and kids who are very prone to anxiety can kind of start to feel, um, they'll name something anxiety even though they're excited about it and they'll feel like it's negative like before a game mm -hmm. yep. and they could really just be excited about yeah. the game and it's mm -hmm. okay to make it exciting that makes sense that was helpful I just didn't know like how many people kind of walk around with this in their head because I've started to do this I think because I talk about it all the time right and I just didn't know if other people put it in their heads that way I don't know I'm skeptical okay <laughs> okay that's skeptical good too. I hope I hope this helps people put it in their heads then yeah. you know mm -hmm. But then what about like seven, eight, nine, y'all? And 10. And 10. I would say if you're getting to the seven, eight, nine, 10 range often, that might be time for therapy. 
what does that look like panic attacks is a 10 panic attacks, panic attacks is, is like a, the epitome of it a 10 right yeah and yes. some people don't realize it until that happens i think so i think when you start having like thoughts that you might die that you're not safe yep something is wrong in my body my heart racing means i'm gonna die i can't catch my breath i think i'm when, so overwhelmed sorry. i can't think that's what i think of i think when people start to alter their behavior or their norm normalcy to match the anxiety to manage the anxiety so when it so like avoid something that's yes, hard when they start to yeah. avoid or it starts to really um interrupt something that used to be fun it anxiety can really rob joy yes because mm -hmm. it's distracting and so i think when when it starts to do that and and i think we may see a little bit of rise in that when the world opens mm -hmm. or as the world opens so i mean i think there's going to be some normal anxiety that goes with that and then i think some folks are going to struggle a little I think in younger kids, it can look like major meltdowns. Yes. So I think about it as like fight, flight, or freeze too. Yes. Right? So if you're, if you have a kid who's fighting or like very irritable, running away when they're getting upset to avoid something mm -hmm. or just freezing, like totally shutting down, mm -hmm. that's when you're really at a 10. That's like 10 plus. Yeah. But like, that's when you need, it'd be good to have some help. Right. But even seven, I think you're right. Meltdowns like seven, eight, nine irritability yeah. especially irritability. Yeah, irritability sleep having just not being able to sleep yes not being able to sleep so when it starts disrupting any normal pattern mm -hmm. yeah sleep eating homework right like when i'm so anxious that it's just getting in the way of me trying to do anything else connecting to other friends and people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what about medicine because i get that question a lot oh, that's a good question i think everyone has a different I think I think the world makes it hard because I do think that's such a healthy way to manage this is good sleep, good food, right? Good um, exercise. Mm -hmm. But then we jam pack kids with things from like nine to nine and we don't leave them opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. We have them sit down all day. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, well, how are they supposed to not be anxious when we've taken away their opportunities to be healthy by putting them in school and activities all well, the time? Or, yeah, we're running all over the place in the after school hours. Or Absolutely. Yeah. Sitting on their phones on social media. Right. Yeah. So I think there is this balance of what can you um, like, what can you give up in order to put healthy exercise or sleep in there? What are you willing to do? And then what do you kind of say, like, I'm going to suck it up for this year, maybe put some medication in because I know they're not going to be able to go on a run at six in the morning, put some medication in just to get through this year. That's my, and that's my like soul. So I also talk about like medication as a way to start accessing coping skills. Like yes, if you are operating at seven, eight, nine, ten, and you come to sessions at seven, eight, nine, ten, and I'm trying, like your brain isn't on. You can't like internalize the things that we're talking about. You can't practice the skills. So if it is that intense, then I talk about medication even temporarily Yes. to like bring that number down so that this person has access to therapy, has access to learning coping skills so that then the medication might not be needed. Exactly. Does that make yes. sense? Yeah. Or backing out the, yeah, then you can back out the medication and the coping skills yep. in place. Because I do think though, sorry, I went on my like random rant, but I think that, that it's easy to look at those kids that are really high achieving and doing really well and think that they're not anxious, right. but we all know that those kids that are like going and going from nine to nine with like very little anything, sleep, very little sleep, times. very little 
right? They look perfect. We all know that those kids are really anxious. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of it is saying, yeah, it's hard for them and to be functioning in this way because it's not natural. Right. And that I feel like starts to look like putting pressure on yourself. Yes. Yeah. Right. Putting, and then it's really hard though. Cause you're like, but I want to get into a good college and you know, the person next to me is gonna, is getting straight A's and they look beautiful and they're the fastest runner in our school. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you have to keep up with them and it feels really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And here's the thing. I mean, everybody is different. And I mean, I have a teenager, so we talk about some of this stuff, but it's okay to miss miss some things that you might have a little fear about missing out on. But yes, I mean, if you didn't know about it, you wouldn't worry about missing it for one. Let's mm-hmm. point that. But you know, you do your best and things just work out the way they work out. I mean, the best college is what? It's different for every person. Yes. The, being the, you're, and I mean, I was an athlete growing up, but I always say, we've always said to our, our daughter, like, there will always be someone better. That's just how it works. And so try your best, be your best. But again, like it doesn't change. Some kids are just wired to be super driven. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that you need to get in and change their wiring. It's that we need to make their environment a little bit easier on their wiring and teach them some skills yes. to manage their wiring. Yes. Mm-hmm. And those skills mean sometimes saying like, wow, the world is really hard to be highly successful in all things. And it's okay to just say like, yeah, I don't really care about that as much. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to go to the party tonight. I'm just tired and I need to like reset. Like something has to give. Yes. I also tell people all the time, I'm like, junior year doesn't define the rest of your life. Like we have turned junior year into like an a performance. Yeah. Yes. Test it is your performance year. year. Yes. And I'm like, I just don't buy it. I don't either. And I also don't buy the idea that there's one perfect college for you. If you're one perfect job, like you can always change your mind. I tell people I could have gone to 10 other colleges than the one I went to and been equally as happy. Right. And so I think that we know that yet the messages that we are sending high schoolers that they are picking up from each other are so different than that. And so that's why there's such an increase in anxiety too. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so it's really having people saying to them, yeah, there are 10 great colleges out there for you. And it's more important to be happy and healthy to get then to get straight A's yep. to get into that college. So how are you going to be healthy and manage your anxiety in this environment? Because that's what's going to set you up to be happy at college not going to the quote unquote right college. That's right. And there's the piece of, okay, so you can like work your butt off so hard in high school to get into your dream college and then you're burnt out and then you can't be successful in college because you literally just worked so hard in high school that like you're done. Like you you can't binge drink in college. (laughs) You can binge drink, but like, um, they won't go well. The academic side, while not the most important part of college, like What's going to get you pulled out of college is failing your classes. Yes, I totally agree with you. So this is such a tangent for all of us. I think we've hit uh, like a chord for something that stresses us all out about like Mm -hmm. the the world. But I think what we're also saying is we see a lot of high school kids that are functioning at like sevens a lot because there's so much pressure on high school kids. And part of it is we need to change the messaging to them in order to help them manage their anxiety. And, And we need to teach them to change to better interpret what messages they're picking up from the world. 
Absolutely. We can do a whole nother podcast. Let's do that. We can. Okay, y'all. And the other thing also I will say about this 7, 8, 9, 10, sometimes you just got to let it ride. Like as a parent, if you have a kid that's like 8, 9, 10, I really hate to break it to you and it's so painful and hard to watch, but there's not much you can do. I think the big (laughs) thing is don't escalate with. Like don't, don't, like it's a, what I always tell the kids I work with is, um, and adults actually, anxiety is a wave. It will never kill you. It is really uncomfortable. And the bigger the wave, the harder it's going to knock you for a minute, but it'll pass. And, and I remind the parents, you know, you're going to see the wave hit them. It's terribly difficult to watch your kids suffer and struggle, but if you can stay calm and just breathe deeply and wait for them to come back down from the anxiety and, and then have a conversation because they'll, they'll get there. It is hard to watch them suffer. Yep. But again, that's the time when you reach out to therapists as well. If your kid is struggling or suffering, then that's a great time to get them into therapy. And it's not the moment to reason with your kid. Like nope. that part of their brain, seven and up, is totally inaccessible, right? So like the most you can maybe do is like, right? Like maybe they want you to scratch their back or maybe you need to do push-ups with your kid and get energy out. But like talking in that moment is likely not the solution. I've tried it. How'd it go? It went really poorly, <laughs> I have to be honest. But here is the solution. So then it's like when you see them at seven, eight, nine, ten, this isn't really a solution, but you wait till they come down to like a four or yes. a three and you say, Hey, what can we do when you're at a one, two, or three to get you down to baseline so that you don't have to get to 10 again? And that's the learning is like after the 10, that felt terrible. You need to do some stuff at three. I wouldn't say you need to, because that's just going to trigger anybody. But let's talk about ideas. And a parent (laughs) of a young kid, you might see it before they know it's happening, right? Yeah. So that's when you're like, hey, let's do breathing. And that may be responded to well or not, right? But like you can try to help the intervention. Yes, when by it's low absolutely. Level. Reminding, yeah. Yep. Just gently. Yeah, with a teenager, I would not advise coaching at that moment. But I think too, with a teen, it's about um, even saying, look, I'll, I know you're really stressed. I can see it on your face. I'll be back in 10 minutes. If you're at a place where we can talk, I'd love to hear what you yeah, need to talk about. Yeah, that's a good about. one too. And if you don't want to talk, tell me that too. But I get, I get that you're anxious. Like just acknowledging it for the teen can be helpful. Yep. Yeah. Okay, guys. I hope this was helpful. Yeah. Do you guys feel anxious or calm? I feel better. Good. I always talk. I feel good. I feel better. Connecting also really helps everybody. I know it does. Um, Okay. Have a great week. We will talk to you next week. I think we're going to have an expert in to talk about anxiety and um, a toolkit for kids and parents. So we're excited. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Please remember, we are real-life therapists. However, this is a podcast and is not considered a therapy session. Not only because there's no copay, but also because we can't speak to your individual experiences. We're here to help you keep raising healthy kids. And remember, if you're an imperfect parent, we're right there with you. If you or someone you love is in immediate danger, please call your local crisis hotline or go to your nearest emergency room.